to Cancrea, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And hello, Sebastian. Thank you for, uh, for I mean, thank you for joining us. I mean, you're here every week. It's uh, <laughs> pretty standard at this point. Um, uh-huh. A lot has happened. You know, sometimes we're an LGBT news show. We report on, not report, we, we comment and uh, mm-hmm. share the news of what's happening in the LGBT community across uh, across Canada and, and the world as a whole. The summer, usually very slow, especially after Can Pride. Be. After Pride, it, can be, yeah. it, it gets a bit sleepy. Um, yeah, yeah. But not this week. Not this okay. week. Not going on. Lot, lot, lot going on this week. Um, <laughs> going to be a bit of a, a whip around the international uh, world of LGBT rights um, as we as we move along. Um, but let's start it off because you have looked into a very interesting um, survey about the Canada blood ban. Are you able to tell me a little bit about what you found there? Yeah, it was a, a private organization that was hired by, honestly, actually, I couldn't find any information on who hired them, which is interesting. But, I mean, there are some polling agencies that are just constantly doing polls, and then they just get grants to pay for it. But anyway, um, just regarding the, the blood ban, uh, they asked a very simple question. Uh, do you support a change in the regulation re- regarding men who have sex with men donating blood? And... The broad results are 39% completely in support, 10% mostly in support, and uh, 20%, no, wait, the other way around, sorry, 20% mostly in support, which adds up to 59%, they're fine with it. So the mostly in support, most of them were like, I agree with it, but let's just haggle on the details, but like, broadly speaking, more than half of Canadians are all for uh dropping the blood ban and then there's like another 24 percent who are either like i don't know i'm not sure i'm not well informed on the issue that kind of thing um i like it when people say i'm not sure because i'm not informed instead of just making stuff up um i would rather i'm more comfortable saying that and i i I prefer it when other people say i'm not sure i'm not going to make stuff up but broadly speaking 59 percent being in support is a that's a good number Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah I mean, I think when you when you take out the undecided from that mm-hmm. uh, particular group, mm-hmm. you know, that's a pretty solid amount of Canadians that are that are happy about it. You know, and I, yeah, I don't. I think it's uh, I think it's good that the ban is now effectively uh, effectively lifted. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll uh, yeah, very good. There is seventeen percent against it though, and that that works around to be about one in six, which mm. is not ideal. Some of that could just be an issue of. Uh, maybe they're not sure about the details of it, or maybe maybe we just need to be more clear about what the policies are. Like th- these are people who need convincing, uh, not guilting, convincing. <laughs> no, I agree with you. You know, let's be honest here: the the supply of blood to you know not only just the most vulnerable Canadians. You know, we're talking about Canadians that are literally bleeding out, uh, the, one, mm-hmm. the ones that uh, are in need of blood. And of course, mm-hmm. some of our listeners may recall the tainted blood scandal for uh, from you know a little while ago oh, yeah. and uh you know i can see where there's some trepidation mm-hmm. it's just the science has caught up a little bit since the 80s we've actually had some medical development since the yeah. 80s uh, mostly the in terms of uh, how accurate how accurate our blood testing is and how sensitive it is that we can test uh, we can detect uh, HIV viruses even very small amounts, very large batches of blood. So the the testing technology is the real change. And and if you're talking about the blood supply, 
that's really what matters the most mm-hmm. is how good is their testing technology and it's it's come a long way baby yeah i think we also need to be aware of, i mean i i think anyone who has hiv shouldn't be should not be out there donating but like let's be honest here if you have hiv and you're on the medication the medication is so effective now mm-hmm. that uh you know it's it's got to the point that you know, und- undetectable is, is untransmittable because the mm-hmm. testing is so effective that they're able to find the, the tiniest amount of HIV in your system. I mean, I think it's the reason why they, they can't say definitively this will not, uh, you know, cause a, a transmission. It's a bit like when you see those hand sanitizers, you know, it's, it removes over 99.9% yeah. of germs and you're like well yeah, isn't yeah. that isn't over 99.9% of germs 100% of germs yeah. um, but uh, yeah they can't say 100% of yeah, germs yeah. because there could be the, the millionth of a percent that uh, that mm-hmm. you know stays and I think that's much the same for testing now for HIV where it is you know so precise that mm-hmm. it, it is you know reasonably undetectable and your mm-hmm. the odds of transmission is so infinitesimally small it's only a you know a statistic at that point and, and not really uh something to be too too worried about not suggesting that folks who have hiv should be donating blood but rather commenting on the efficiency of the testing mm-hmm. and how how good it is now in terms of where it was before even if you are, I believe there are uses for it. Like, I think there's a way of getting plasma that is free of everything other than the liquid itself. And I, I seem to recall you can extract clotting agents from blood, and uh, you'll just get the proteins out of the clotting agents. Like, I think there are still uses, but just, you know, like, as you say, just to be safe, I think they're kind of saying no for now. But uh, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I, I would like to see... Actually, that is something we haven't spoken to an expert on in long enough that the technology may have changed about secondary uses for blood. Mm-hmm. Even if we can't use the blood, are there other things we can do with it? Yeah. Probably, you know? Well, we'll, uh, we'll look into that. Now, I know that um, a lot of the gay community is now currently concerned about monkeypox. Mm-hmm. Now, let's be upfront and clear straight away that anyone who comes into particularly, uh, most particularly skin to skin contact mm-hmm. with someone who has monkeypox can be susceptible to monkeypox, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of your sexual orientation. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Monkeypox isn't like, oh, you're straight. Never mind. Not you. Um, if you <laughs> if you go around touching monkeypox, you're probably going to get monkeypox. Um, yeah. That's just uh, that's just how it is. And our regular listeners may recall that I mentioned that uh, in the gay community during Pride, there is an awful lot of touching each other that happens. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, some of that touching, if somebody has monkeypox, could lead to a spread of monkeypox. Now, mm-hmm. you saw some interesting statistics out of the UK vis-a-vis monkeypox. Yes. So the UK now has 1,735 confirmed cases as of time of recording. Uh, they surveyed everyone who was willing to respond, and they got 572 responses. And for a survey, that's actually not too bad. And uh, something that really jumped out was actually the event that they can trace back when they probably got the infection from. The number one thing was festival. Now, it's festival with asterisks beside it because that means a whole lot of things. Especially in the UK, there's a lot of outdoor music festivals in the UK. I mean, we have them here too, but it's a different um, 40% got infected uh, at a festival, uh, 12% at a bar, 9% at a nightclub. Uh, the only ones here that actually 
list as being sexual in nature was uh, 4% at a private sex party. You can interpret that as you wish. And then sex on premises venues. That would be something like a bathhouse. About 17%. But then of the people who responded, about 96% were gay. That's that's Or gay or bisexual, I should say. Um, so the numbers are, are pretty high for that case. But when you look at the fact that 40% got it at a festival of some kind, a concert, mm-hmm. an outdoor festival, some kind of public venue, possibly even pride, these numbers don't really include that. Uh, th- those details. Um, a lot of it is just like you could just be wearing a sleeveless tank top, standing next to somebody wearing a sleeveless tank top, uh, just crushed in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's worth noting that it, it forms mostly, I think, on the back of the hands and uh, the genitals. So you know, you know, high fiving, handshaking, all of these things mm-hmm. could be uh, where the um, the skin is the thinnest mm-hmm. is where it's mo- most likely to show up. So it can also show up on the back of the neck and, and some parts around the face as well because your your skin's pretty thin, like behind your ears, for example. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so, why we should all uh, be thick-skinned. That's the uh, that's the moral. I don't know. That was a really terrible joke. We should all shake hands by touching the bottoms of our feet. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, heel to heel shakes. That's the new. Uh, that's the new handshake. We made a whole new handshake. You know the the elbow bumps for uh, COVID nineteen. It's now the uh, the the heel to heel bumps for for monkeypox. Um, you know we're joking here, but obviously yeah. please uh, please be safe. Sorry, what was the total number of cases that uh, was reported in the UK? You'd mentioned it just now. Uh, well, as as of time of publication of, of this survey, anyway, it was uh, 1,700 approximately. So, I mean, it's worth noting that uh, obviously Canada has a significantly smaller population than Britain. Yeah. I believe it's about a third the size of Britain in terms of its population. But as of July the 15th, which is the latest uh, information available to us at time of recording, um, there were 539 cases across Canada uh, mm-hmm. of reported monkeypox now it still remains that the you know it's now a slim majority of that is in quebec about 299 out of 539 um but 194 of them are in ontario so ontario is quickly catching up with uh with quebec in terms of where these cases are two in saskatchewan 12 in alberta and 32 in british columbia so uh apparently everyone in the east coast is uh social distancing they're doing a really good job out there you know i think that's uh that's probably pretty good um, uh-huh. but yeah it's worth uh it's worth keeping an eye on it uh public health agency of canada is uh, obviously they're testing all of the uh submitted cases of it um yeah. and uh, figuring out where to go well, something that jumped out at the UK data as well, there was way more people who said yes if they traveled abroad recently than people who had sex with somebody new recently. That it, it seems that traveling extensively puts you at a higher risk than going to a bathhouse. So that's, I mean, it kind of makes sense if, if the concentration of the virus is in certain urban centers and you live in the middle of, I don't know, uh, uh, Cobalt, Ontario. Like you're probably not going to get monkeypox there unless you take you know a trip down to toronto or montreal well i think it's worth noting you know this is a skin to skin contact based uh you know disease and i think if you're uh you know a, a billy no mates and you you don't really go out anywhere and you order your grocery i'm really thinking of my my fiance in this in this regard you know you're all your groceries in you don't go anywhere you're not touching people you know yeah. you're gonna be fine you're gonna yeah, be, yeah. You know, no guarantees of course you never know but uh compared to jet setting you know, touching elbows at festivals.
festivals where lots mm. of people are breathing on you you know you're more likely obviously to to get yeah. it when you're when you're being touched and touching people so uh yeah it's definitely very serious to to consider it's worth noting that uh you know the cases where we've seen people come forward and sort of share their experiences of having had monkeypox they were like you know it, the number one thing they would say is absolutely do whatever you can to not get monkeypox it is yeah not fun it is no. <laughs> uh, it is a, an incredibly terrible time uh yeah, to, yeah. to have it is not uh, it is not something uh that uh, you know you really want to entertain and the symptoms vary from person to person some are getting pain some of them are not well, i mean all of them are itchy 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 all the poxes chicken pox small pox all of them make you incredibly itchy some of them are getting the the, the, when you can't tell if you're hot or cold, the, some of them are getting that, but not all of them are. Most of them are getting headaches, not all of them are. But none of them are saying, "Oh, I got lucky and I'm not suffering too badly." Like it's, it's, it's not great. And it's not even one of those novelty symptoms, like losing a taste buds during COVID. I really, you know, I, I was, uh, I was looking forward to eating onions and, uh, well, not onions, like uh, you know, just terrible, like chugging hot sauce and things like that, you know because you have no just having buds. like yeah, yeah, healthy yeah. unsweetened oatmeal for breakfast every day exactly yeah because you won't it's be able all to taste great it taste anyways yeah. exactly <laughs> but uh no that uh, that you know that didn't happen to me so i wasn't able to take advantage of a silver lining there but there yeah no novelty symptoms uh it's definitely not fun so please be careful it is worth noting i actually saw a targeted facebook ad from ottawa public health recently uh sort of encouraging me uh, as a you know presumably as somebody that goes to festivals uh, mm -hmm. with air quotes um to go and get the monkeypox vaccine so if you are mm -hmm. in particularly if you're in uh quebec ontario and bc i think you know contact your local health authority find mm -hmm. out uh, if they are providing uh, monkeypox vaccines i think they're trying to target some of the more vulnerable to catching it from populations first uh, but mm -hmm. they're certainly uh, opening them up uh, the the criteria to be able to get the vaccine it depends on where you are Please uh, mm -hmm. check out your local health provider for details. Honestly, it's one of those things that if you think you're going to be going around uh, touching people at festivals, and I should correct that, if you're going around going to be sort of elbow to elbow, uh, yeah. you know, skin contact to skin contact at festivals, please don't go around touching people at festivals. That's not appropriate. Not without their consent. Anyway. Not without their consent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're going to be doing that, better safe than sorry and uh, yep. if you think you'll be uh, you know skin to skin in other ways obviously uh, say, say better safe than sorry uh, contact your local health authority and see where we go from there now one festival that actually had relatively minimal touching was the soul pride parade that happened uh, this past weekend so like Seoul? yes in korea yes okay the south korean capital of uh, Seoul. Okay. so how do you pronounce it well, it's, it's, I think it's Seoul in in uh, South Korean. Korean. Well, but folks, yeah, folks it's got a bunch of vowels. Yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't. It has vowels we don't have in English, so Seoul, Seoul is fine. Yeah. So they uh, <laughs> they had for the first time in three years they had the uh, pride parade taking part uh, taking place in person with mm -hmm. a very very heavy police presence. There was about thirteen thousand people gathered for this pride festival. Uh, very oh. heavy police presence because of counter protesters and uh, very very conservative Christian groups uh, were protesting against the pride parade in the area around it. It's uh -huh. sort of been uh, you know the rhetoric has been ramped up in Seoul by uh, by the mayor 
Osi Hun, who in the past has commented about uh, making it more difficult for the Pride event to take place, uh, especially banning them potentially from the City Hall Plaza if they, and I quote, exhibit indecent materials or overexpose their bodies. I can mm -hmm. assure you of this. There was no overexposing of bodies this year because it absolutely bucketed down with rain. Like, <laughs> it was... It was torrential, you know. Uh -huh. All the photos of the the festival were just blobs of water on the camera. You know, it's not, uh, uh -huh, not uh -huh. exactly. <laughs> but they did something which I thought was really interesting. They, because of the hostility from some of the radical folks in in South Korea against, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Pride Parade and uh, so on. The organizers require that the media reporting on it take photos from the furthest distance possible hmm. and if they're taking photos of people's faces that they have permission for every one of the faces that they photograph oh so it's really that's... designed to protect the uh the the privacy of those who are attending because of the backlash and the hostility to lgbt rights which is why a lot of the, you know, the photography, the photojournalism from the parade that you can see is pictures of the police line and uh, you know, the American ambassador was heavily photographed. Cause okay. <laughs> the American ambassador was one of the speakers, but of course, quite happy to have his photo taken as a politician. Yeah, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah. You know, some things never change. But yeah, I thought that was really interesting, and I thought you would find that particularly interesting. It, it actually vaguely reminds me of... Uh... When friend of the show Maurice uh, was telling us about the first Pride to happen in Jamaica, uh, that it had a masquerade theme, and uh, everybody showed up wearing masks. Partly because he said, you know, it was it was just a fun party because it's a masquerade party. But he said we weren't sure the the they had spoken with the local police, and the local police force was generally pretty supportive, but. Uh, there were locals who did not want to see it happen. So everybody wearing masks was was integrated into the festival as being part of pride which on the one hand it does sound unfortunate that they were kind of forced into that but then the way maurice told it and it's the way maurice tells most stories it sounded like a fun party um but yeah it, it's kind of unfortunate but a lot of pride festivals kind of start off in their own way something like that where it's behind closed doors or it's in the woods or they're wearing masks or they're you know they're they're keeping media at bay and it's it's kind of unfortunate you have to start somewhere and that's often where it starts well it's about protecting you know it is a sad scenario where walking in the street could lead to you being fired for your job you know beaten and and so on and so forth it's just that it's not great um, we've talked a lot this summer about the security of Pride Parade. Yes. And there was an interesting story that came up uh, in Australia that I think really exemplifies how these events, such as Pride Parades, remain a major target, not just for radical Christian counter-protesters, as was demonstrated in South Korea, but mm -hmm. also even terrorism. So in New South Wales, the Supreme Court of New South Wales on uh, just this past Monday, the 18th, um, was uh, on the docket is Hamdi Al-Qudzi, who is accused of essentially terrorism, among other things, um, had uh, formed a organization called the Shura, which was uh, essentially a terrorist group, allegedly 
according to uh, the prosecutors. But when they were blocked from leaving the country and going to Syria and had their passports taken, they began trying to find alternative places that they could target domestically. And among the locations was the Wulamalu uh, naval base and the gay and lesbian Mardi Gras, as well as the Israeli embassy uh, in Sydney. So it was definitely, you know, when you see the military base, Mardi Gras and the Israeli embassy, um, I don't know. I think it, it that story, that news report of, uh, you know, I say allegedly because it's before the courts, of, uh, you know, potential terrorism plans against what is essentially one of Australia's largest pride events, uh, you know, mm. in the year. Um, it's it's quite shocking, and I think it's it sort of brings home that importance of security at uh, pride pride events. Mm. I assume you, you didn't catch any of that uh, that story as it unfolded. No, I didn't. Um, I mean, there there's been a few stories similar to that, and I mean, this is probably worse but they've all started blurring into each other mm, yeah. for me so i may have read that and it just sort of merged into a bunch of other stories that i've read over the well over the past couple of months really of yeah. planned but failed events yeah well we'll uh, we'll keep an eye out obviously we are concerned for everybody's safety at uh, various lgbt events and we want to make sure that folks are safe and we obviously thank the australian security services for having prevented uh, an attack from from taking place we are going to play where does the good go now i wanted to play tegan and sarah's brand new track called mm -hmm. yellow um but uh, okay. i do not see a radio friendly edit of it available yet is it 12 um, minutes long no 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 it's not 12 minutes long it is okay. uh, it, it's standard song length three three and a smidge minutes long um, two minutes but, and 33 uh, seconds yeah they they refer to poop in an unflattering way throughout the song and uh yeah it's just a bit hair too much for uh for some of our daytime but uh oh, well, no, this is uh where does the good go by Tegan and sarah in lieu of their brand new track yellow hopefully we'll get a hold of a radio edit of it and uh, play that for folks uh next week but uh we'll be back just after this where do you go with your broken heart and soul what do you do with the leftover you and how do you know when to let go where does the good go? Where does the good go? Look me in the eye and tell me you don't find me attractive. Look me in the heart and tell me you won't go. Look me in the eye and promise no love's like I love. Look me in the heart and I'm break broken. It won't happen. It's
Hello and welcome back to Cancre, your home of Canada's queer medium. My name is still Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And uh, let's, uh, let's carry on with our LGBTQ plus news of the week. There has been a lot of it. Now, uh, before we start talking about the Ukraine and various countries in Eastern Europe, which have uh, come up uh, a little bit this week for various interesting reasons, um, you had uh, a story, I think, that you said was a bit rumory. I think that's... Uh, or were you just renumerating on it? <laughs> well, it's just... It's during the break, while the music was playing, I was just browsing and I found a a story that has yet to be confirmed by other news sources. And I usually like to see things confirmed by multiple places. But uh, it seems that sometime today, today being July the 18th, that there was a, a drag queen story hour in, in London, uh, Ontario, fake mm -hmm. London, uh, that had people showing up uh, and protesting it. Uh, the, the details are still coming in as to what's happening. Uh, but yeah, that that's, I mean, it was a really small story, but... Yeah, we're keeping an eye on that. Well, I think it's worth noting the context here. You know, in in the GTA, sort of the the Halton uh, Halton sort of area, and I think uh, I think even Mississauga, sort of uh, the southern southern Ontario uh, areas, they they all kind of bandied together the libraries there and said, "Look, this is." entertaining for children mm -hmm. the books mm -hmm. are vetted the queens are vetted you know what i mean it's it's modern day canada you, you can't go within 50 feet of a child without a criminal record check you know what <laughs> i mean it's and it's it's they were like yeah this is there is a lot of people in our community that find drag queen story times entertaining it opens mm -hmm. up it's a conversation starter for some mm -hmm. awkward conversations that are age appropriate uh, that the parents can then have with their children afterwards, not the drag queens, but the parents can then have those conversations with the children afterwards. You know, and uh, essentially these libraries came together and they said, look, we, we, this is a thing that we do with the community. It's wanted by the community. It's, mm -hmm. and, and it fits with our mandate and we're gonna very much continue to do it. So, I mean, it's nice to see libraries in Canada essentially saying, look, if you don't like it, you don't. You don't yeah. have to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not going to kidnap I mean, your children and put them in, you know, drag queen story time. There does need to be a little bit better communication about some of this stuff, though, because, like, for example, in the states, there have been multiple cases where uh, they did not vet the drag queens, and they later on found them to have uh, a, a criminal record involving sexual misconduct. So, I mean, definitely getting, you know, that that's on the libraries for not double checking. Yeah. But there's also, this is a conversation that we were thinking about having for some time now about the different kinds of drag. Mm -hmm. uh, I think most people would be delighted if Drag Queen Story Hour was done by sort of a Mrs. Doubtfire, Dame Medna yeah, Dame style. Dame Medna, of... Mrs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Female impersonation yeah. where it's uh, over the top, it's sort of yeah. pantomime. I do want to make sure we're not conflating the, the sort of rare instances of where you know these venues have not done the appropriate background checks with, yeah, with the yeah. norm there are hundreds and hundreds of dark green story hours and yeah, yeah. Uh, a fa institutional failing led to that uh, led to that case um i wanted to touch on uh allegations made i think it's a bit it's a bit stronger than than a rumor at this point we okay. can't really not mention it and that is ricky martin now ricky yes. martin is 
potentially facing an up to 50-year prison sentence. The allegation is, and it has been the 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 name has been revealed by Ricky Martin's brother, but we're not gonna we're not gonna reveal the the name of uh, the, the person accusing him. But he has been accused of uh, exercising physical and psychological attacks um, on an individual over the course of a seven-month relationship, which ended about two months ago, according to court documentation uh, filed recently in uh, Puerto Rico. So Ricky Martin is one of the most decorated uh, male Latin artists uh, that that's currently alive right now. Um, mm-hmm. The allegation is made. Some people may have heard about this. The allegation has been made by the 21-year-old son of Ricky Martin's sister-in-law. Oh, st- sorry, stepsister. So, okay. uh, yeah, stepsister. So his stepsister's 21-year-old son has made these allegations so okay. essentially uh, ricky martin has been fending off um what is legally allegations of uh incest that uh he wait doesn't that yeah. make him like nephew by marriage though yeah that's not really incest i mean well, you could say that's I've... inappropriate but it's not well in in puerto rican law that is that is captured under incest in puerto rican law and that's where this court case has been filed so as far as the law in puerto rico is concerned the son of the 21 year old son of his stepsister is uh is incest um ricky martin uh, announced on twitter saying and essentially and i quote here the protection order against me is based on completely false allegations so i will be responding through the judicial process with the facts and the dignity that characterizes me uh, goes on to say that uh, it is an ongoing legal matter and uh, you know appreciates the messages of solidarity i mean it's it's hard to say because ricky martin's brother and i don't know if this is the same brother for whom the stepsister is uh, married or if it's a different brother but one you know ricky martin's brother is reported as referring to the individual as having uh, mental health challenges and i think it's hard to say whether or not that's just trying to muddy the waters um oh that's true we'll uh, it'll remain to be seen but we should find out relatively soon because the puerto rican court case is taking place at the end of the week of recording i believe it's on the july 29th so uh, end of next week uh, time of recording and uh, we'll see where it goes but uh, yeah this is a very serious allegation um, Ricky Martin has responded emphatically denying that it uh, that it took place um, but the court documentation seems to lay out uh, um, you know that the allegation obviously is that it did take, take place and that there was physical and psychological abuse uh, during the seven month alleged relationship uh, hmm. that uh, took place so we'll be you know we'll keep an eye on it Ricky Martin is uh, you know one of the largest uh, one of the most famous openly gay um, men in in the world. You know, I think when he came out, and I believe he has a son and is married. I think, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. um, yep. it uh, it was you know really big news and certainly something that was uh, quite noteworthy. Uh, it was, but it was also the it was considered one of the least shocking coming outs, uh, sort of in the history of celebrities. Uh, I would actually. Over the next week, I, I really should give myself the homework of looking up what Puerto Rico has to say about this because 
some of these laws, it really comes down to just how do you define things? Like, it, like the, the fact that the, the young man by marriage is considered incestuous because marriage is enough. It, it's not bloodline. It's not, you know, his blood sister's blood son. You know, that, that's, that's very peculiar. So some of these, some of the issues, it really kind of comes down to the weird phrasing of the law. I mean, Canada has its own weird laws or good laws phrased badly. I mean, every country has it. Um, but it would be kind of interesting to see how it all plays out. And it could just be something that nobody cares about, but because of the way the laws are set up, he just fell into that weird trap. I don't know. Yeah, I think the the incest bit is what's catching the headlines. And I'm yeah. not, not going to dive into a debate as to what is and is not incest. I think in Canada yeah. we have our own clearly defined definitions uh, yeah, of yeah. what that is. And if uh, folks in Puerto Rico have their own definition that uh, applies to them, then that is that is uh, yeah. the life in on, on their island. Um, yeah, yeah. But what is concerning to me is, you know, we've been obviously following, uh, oh my gosh, what's his name? That, oh. Kevin Spacey? Kevin Spacey, there we go. He recently pled not guilty, by the way, to four allegations of assault in in London. He was, uh, he'd flown over to Britain a couple of weeks ago, and uh, recently he pled not guilty in that ongoing Hmm. case against him. I think it's important that we hold powerful LGBT folks accountable, uh, as mm-hmm. we should hold all powerful people accountable, regardless of their sexual orientation. And mm-hmm. it is the allegation of physical and psychological abuse uh, made against Kev- uh, made against Ricky Martin uh, that mm. particularly concerns me. And I think, uh, as uh, as consumers of Living La Vida Loca, uh, we should uh, keep an eye on on how that uh, how that unfolds. Um, one of the things that kind of has sparked a bit of a debate is the Reddit has updated its anti-hate speech policy. And essentially, the slur, groomer, mm-hmm. has now mm-hmm. been added to their anti-hate speech uh, policy. Now, you're probably thinking, how is like brushing a dog now a hate speech? Uh, it just mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't make any sense i'm obviously joking here referring to pet groomers but no it's in certain circles the insinuation that gay people are grooming children for mm-hmm. nefarious purposes it's sort of a a, a modern iteration of that long-standing stereotype and the, you know factually incorrect stereotype that gay men are pedophiles um mm. it's it holds no water, it holds no muster. And uh, the modern iteration of it that we're seeing in certain circles is to accuse people, uh, usually to shut down an argument or, or belittle somebody to refer to them mm. as groomers, um, because it is a serious allegation. It's a very serious allegation, you know? I actually, I find that association kind of offensive because you, if you actually look at some of the events that are happening, uh, especially in the States, a lot of the people who are being accused of being groomers are actually not even LGBT. A lot of them are, um, a lot of them are uh, school teachers, public school teachers. Uh, some of them are people at like uh, you know scout leaders and things like that. Like not all of them are LGBT. And one of the issues that I have with this as well is, I mean, granted, the the term has definitely been abused, especially over the past six months. Uh, but what if somebody is a groomer? Like, how do you how do you bring that up? How do you have that argument? 
how do you, you know, have that conversation? Like, what if you actually do want to say there is someone who has an inappropriate relation with uh, underage people? You know, how do you how do you have that conversation? And just this sort of association yeah. that like everyone who's being a groomer, uh, being accused of being a groomer, is LGBT. I don't think that's true either. I think there is. You know, saying that everyone's being accused of grooming children for, you know, the quote unquote LGBT lifestyle, that is definitely what's happening, but not all, or that's what they claim is happening, but not everyone being accused of that is actually LGBT. So, I mean, I, I think there's like a hundred things happening at the same time. And I think Reddit just sort of decided, let's sweep it all off the table and just get rid of the complication by erasing it but i don't know it, it it's it's complicated because you get things like there are places in the world right now where there are extensive um grooming camps happening it yeah. is happening yeah. so mean, when you see things just refer back to you know the drag queen story time when we're seeing the yeah. drag queen story times being accused of you know grooming children on mm. one side where all they're doing is reading Peppa Pig. And yeah. then on the other side, you have the Catholic Church in France accused of grooming 300,000 children. Mm -hmm. You know, one of those is literal cases of grooming and the other one yeah. is Peppa Pig. And I think that that's, I think what using this insult does is it massively devalues and, and sort of minimizes the real damage and the real uh you know you know criminality that is happening with grooming across uh, across the world i used the mm -hmm. the catholic church in in france one be as an example because they had a a report that came out recently uh, essentially mm -hmm. finding that uh they found between 250 and 300,000 cases so i mean mm -hmm. it is there is definitely serious consideration to be had and and folks and, and there should be measures and, and steps to take against uh, protecting against child grooming but I think if you just disagree with someone, that, yeah. that's not the same thing by any, any stretch no. of imagination. <laughs> and grooming is also a general process. It doesn't have to be grooming minors, and it doesn't have to be grooming for sexual purposes, because grooming is also a common term when applied to cult leaders and how they treat some of their the, the people in their cults. Like it, It's a general process. I think if it turned into a thing where you could, they included it on the list of things you could complain about and then they review it, like they review a lot of other things, because there's a lot of things that are only insulting in context that like, you know, an AI can't pick out that you were uh, judging somebody for something if you didn't use the following words, you know, like you're not fat shaming somebody if you don't use the word fat or obese, you could do it a million other ways without using those words. And you really just need to get human eyes on the situation. I think if they put it into that category, that would make sense. But last time I saw this, they actually were looking at just setting up a filter that just said, like, any time the word groomer is used, it sets up a flag. And I think I understand what they're trying to do, but I think that's a bridge too far. Just because there are actual problems in the world, like the, the, the cult leader thing, for example, being a real thing and there are still cults out there where people are taking advantage of, of local communities and and you know people who are vulnerable so i think i think there it is a conversation that needs to be had and i don't know how i feel about having a, an automatic filter set up i think that's heavy-handed well, i think there needs to be more done so glad which is the i think it's the gay and lesbians against uh defamation mm -hmm. league 
<laughs> I don't know if there's a name <laughs> at the end. But uh, essentially, it's a it's a American-based organization which works yeah. to protect representations of LGBT folks. And essentially, one of the things that they they noted in the recent report that they released is that there, you know a lot of social media platforms are sort of ineffective at protecting LGBT folks. And it was interesting that you mentioned about having eyes on it because one of the examples that was shared with the Associated Press um, by a man called uh, Peter Sabinski uh, in, in reporting on it was that uh, people are live streaming uh, their protests against pride, their, their whatever it may be, where they huh? are dropping anti-gay hate slurs left, right and center like it's, uh, you know, going out of fashion. But mm -hmm. there's nobody monitoring the live streams. So as soon as the stream is ended, they delete the stream and boom, it never happened. So mm -hmm. if you didn't watch it at the time, you didn't see it at the time, uh, you know, that, that that never happened. But, you know, in Canada, if you stood on the corner and were yelling homophobic slurs, you know, that is inappropriate. And, I, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I believe it's also illegal. I just can't remember the exact uh, the exact law that that would be. But uh you know, it's it's certainly not uh, not appropriate, and I think what the argument is is that there is more that can be done for protecting LGBT folks in social media spaces. It's worth noting why this is important, and that mm -hmm. is the massive disproportionate rate of suicide ideation as a direct result of social media-based bullying that happens in our communities. You know, mm -hmm. when people are saying these things and writing these things, there are people the other side of the screens reading them and being highly impacted by them mm -hmm. and uh you know we need to do more to protect folks in our communities who are being subject to this uh cyber bullying so i don't know uh, where is the balance i'm not sure but more humanized i think would go would go a long way to uh to sort of finding the, that appropriate balance mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right we're going to be jumping to driving around by meryl buckley and we'll be back just after this in the town where I was born right across from that old church used to keep my eye on Mary while she'd shine behind the birds Now the moon is in that window And the glow has hit you right Like a cigarette crushed in my pocket Waiting for a chance to light Cause when the lights come on And the sun goes down i 
Hello and welcome back to Kangaroo, home of Canada's queer medium. My name is Luke Smith. I am Sebastian. Now, uh, first of all, there was a line in there. Uh, couldn't ride for bleep, and uh, I missed that when we were. It, it wasn't tagged as explicit, so I missed it. Um, now I have a question for you, Sebastian. What does mm -hmm. Catherine the Great and gay porn star Billy Harrington have in common? Wasn't Catherine the Great French? Are they both French? No, Catherine the Great, the Russian. Well, she was she was the Tsarina of Russia, but she was from somewhere else. Like she was born, I don't remember where she was born. She was born somewhere else. I do know that. Like Mary Antoinette was actually Austrian. But anyway, I don't know. What what is the connection between the two? So, <laughs> there essentially the 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 connection between the two is a statue in Odessa. Uh, in in the Ukraine, so and it, this really this underpins a much larger cultural battle happening uh, between Russia and the Ukraine. Of course, there is okay. a, a, the the actual literal battle, uh, an uh -huh. active war zone. But uh, there is a petition that has reached, I think, twenty six or twenty seven thousand uh, signatures to have the statue of the. Uh, you know, the late Catherine uh, Empress, uh, Russian Empress Catherine the Great, uh, mm -hmm. to be removed and have essentially a statue of um, of Billy Harrington um, put up uh, instead. So okay. it's more about what the statue of Catherine the Great represents okay. and what the statue of Billy Harrington would represent. So on the one side, you have sort of Russian colonial history. I think mm. at the time it was, uh, there was significant, uh, you know, it, it was not a great time to be in in the Ukraine during, uh, during Catherine the Great's uh, tenor. Um, mm -hmm. And essentially, I think they want to draw a line under the stand and say, why are we celebrating Russian emperors when we could be celebrating Ukrainian excellence? You know, yes. let's put a focus yeah. on celebrating and pontificating. Uh, maybe not pontificating, not making a pope out of it, but you know, yeah, yeah. You know making statues of what are uh, you know incredible, um, you know, Ukrainians. And I believe that uh, the particular gay porn star I'm referring to uh, is Ukrainian, um, but had uh, an extensive career uh, in the U.S. making uh, adult cinema. I, I I don't know who this is. Yeah, you're okay. googling it now. Safe search off. I think for this one. That's if, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's radio, so even if it's on off, so I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I think uh -huh. really, I mean, it's it's sort of tongue in cheek. You know, they they've really they've picked somebody that is uh, a bit of a gay icon in in those who are fans of uh, gentleman cinema, and. But really, it is that juxtaposition of where Ukrainian social values are and where they're going versus Russian social values are and where they are going. Now, mm -hmm. for added context, Russia had the don't say gay law. It was one of the, you know, they beat California to it by a, a little bit. Or was it Florida? Sorry. Um, and essentially, the, the 
the laws against the promotion of homosexuality to children in Russia has led to the shutdown of every Pride event in the country. It has led to the closing of LGBT organizations that have, that have existed there. Uh, people have fled the country as a direct result of this law. And essentially, mm -hmm. you cannot uh, identify publicly as gay. It's, it's if you've seen or heard uh, representations mm -hmm. in television, media, books, all of it has been quashed in Russia. There is now a push within Russia to extend the legislation to ban the, the promotion of homosexuality to adults. And mm. so not only is it no longer just a fig leaf of, you know, perish the thought, think of the children, it is now mm -hmm. anyone. Nobody can even think of uh, discussing homosexuality in Russia uh, if this new, uh, this new law came into place in a public space. Um, yes. So, you know, on one hand, you've got Russia massively cracking down on it. And on the other hand, Zelensky is considering a second uh, petition, which has had about 28,000 uh, signatures, to mm -hmm. legalize gay marriage in the Ukraine. Yes. And the reason why that one is of particular, particular note is because one of the, one of the, the rights in gay marriage, in, uh, in marriage, sorry, in the Ukraine, is the ability to claim the bodies of those who have passed fighting mm -hmm. in the war against the Russians. And the argument is, is that many incredibly brave young men who have been fighting, uh, you know, the Russian invasion uh, and have lost their lives, who have long-standing relationships, who have loved ones who, who would otherwise be married if it was legal, uh, their mm. bodies are being left in the morgue and unclaimed because they do not have the legal right uh, to do so, whereas other men uh, in heterosexual relationships are able to do that. So it is, it is certainly something that's on Zelensky's agenda right now. I think he is uh, currently you know, dealing with some bigger fish in the frying pan. Um, but yeah, I just thought, you know, the, the Catherine the Gay Great versus this gay porn star really okay, is, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a metaphor for this sort of pro-LGBT or LGBT equality um, that Ukraine is, is exploring versus this, mm -hmm. you know, silence and oppression that, uh, that Russia is sort of expanding on uh, right now. There is like this weird analog of, of retreating powers from history. Like you could say... Some of the conflict between, you know, Tibet, Taiwan, Hong Kong, and China is China saying, well, you're all Chinese, and, and the other former Chinese nations are saying, no, we're not. We can share in a former Chinese identity, but we're different now. Same thing with a lot of Eastern Europe. They're sort of celebrating a common Slavic shared culture while also saying, you know, although we share the fact that we are Slavic, we are Moldovan now. We are Polish now. We are something different now. Uh, I mean, you could say the same thing that um, Ireland went through these growing pains with Britain, especially in the 80s and 90s. But obviously, the troubles are way more complicated than that. Uh, but it does seem to be something that just sort of happens uh, over history. I mean, same thing. Uh, uh, Sweden used to be a major colonial power. And uh, Norway, Denmark, and Finland had to fight to get their own identities. So uh, some of this is just the growing pains of a, of a retreating empire, um, mm. which doesn't mean that it's fine it just means that it's part of a larger pattern you know we've seen this before we see how it plays out like in the end ukraine will win just if you if history does repeat itself you know 
Well, um, I, am, I am tapping on wood here because I think it is, you know, as Western nations, as Canada, we've been very strong allies to the Ukraine. You know, when we look at that juxtaposition of, you know, going to jail for saying that you are homosexual versus, mm -hmm. you know, not. Uh, it's worth, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the former Eastern, you know, the summer Soviet bloc because Slovenia, the top courts in Slovenia essentially have said that uh, the government there is six months to... Uh, to, to legalize uh, same-sex marriage and uh, mm -hmm. adoption rights. So yeah, there yeah. is definitely a, a lively debate in Eastern Europe. Um, Hungary's no-say-gay law has been taken to the European Court of Justice by, uh, sorry, the European Court of Human Rights by uh, the EU. Uh, the EU mm -hmm. executive taken Hungary to court over it. Mm -hmm. And they've also issued uh, rather stern warnings to Romania um, who have been toying with the same idea as well. Mm. But we will keep an eye on all those stories. Yeah. But we've run out and, of time. And about a month ago, Poland basically said, like the, the Polish government said, if you want to be homophobic, do that on your own time. We're not making any laws about it, which is progress. Uh, it, it's not ideal, but it's still progress. It's, it's better than, you know, inculcating homophobia into the legal system. Absolutely. Well, we're playing out with uh, Jolly Wolf's uh, play, uh, Child of the Government, uh, the stripped-down version. You know, the, the non-stripped-down version is uh, truly incredible. This is an absolutely fantastic track. I have been Luke Smith. And I've been Sebastian. And thank you for listening.